Well, welcome back to the Walk as Jesus Walk podcast series. And in today's message, we're going to focus on what it was that Jesus meant when he said, you are the salt of the earth. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, Jesus actually said, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Now, we're going to break this down and look deeply at what was being talked about here. The use of salt as a point of symbolic comparison, it was used both in the Old and the New Testaments, but it was used differently. In the Old Testament, it was used in reference to the end of one's life or being cut off by God. In the New Testament, it represents various other meanings, which, which we'll go into some of them. In fact, when Jesus used salt in his teachings, it was to illuminate how his followers' saltiness reflected their passion, their righteousness, their love for God and for others. So different meanings from the Old and the New Testament. Uh, back in into Matthew 5.13, that salt that Jesus mentioned, it really had twofold meaning because of the Old and the New Covenant. First, the meaning relates to the Israelites who were called by God to be his nation under the established Old Covenant. Now, he called them to be his people. He wanted them to represent him in this world. How and why? Well, to draw mankind to the knowledge of him. And that was his intention. However, they stopped living for him. They started living their own law. They started living their own religious life. And so they were no longer living under his covenant. And that would be similar to if salt, which once was used to flavor and preserve food, was no longer worth anything because it, it would stop flavoring or preserving food. Secondly, for, for those under the new covenant, salt relates to those who claim to follow Jesus. Those who are truly following him, well, they reflect the saltiness described by Jesus. However, those who only make this claim don't actually follow him. Uh, maybe they're just a typical churchgoer who lives their life the way they want to all week long, and they don't really follow Jesus. They just make the claim. Well, the, the way they live is no different than what the Jews did under the Old Covenant in the end. And the same thing, can they be any of use to God? Now, there's several other analogies that are used that are found in the letters in the New Testament. And so here's just a few. In Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, we read that it says, act wisely towards outsiders. That mean, means people who are not in Christ. So those who are in Christ should act wisely toward outsiders, redeeming the time, meaning making the most of their time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer anyone. Well, in this case, we, we see that we have to allow the Spirit to be in control of our lives, because the Spirit will lead us in our conversation. So, as the Spirit leads us and guides us, we'll know how to answer everyone. Additionally, here's salt. It can be seen as 
a kind of edifying words or speaking with others. So it's when you're speaking with other people, you want your conversation to hold salt. In other words, that it has something to add to that's a benefit that makes things uh, taste better is what you would use salt for. And so if you were allowing the spirit to move and you spoke of something, it's to enhance the conversation. Now, all throughout Paul's letter to the Colossians, he spent a lot of time explaining the basics as far as how followers of Jesus should live. And so when Paul mentions salt here, he was giving guidance on how to behave in a Christ-like manner. He encouraged to conduct oneself wisely, which includes speaking in a manner that is gracious. Therefore, salt, as used here, is a symbol for words, will enhance any conversation with others. Now, James, in chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, it states, out of the same mouth come blessings and cursings. So this is not necessarily speaking of encouragement as much as it's speaking of using wisdom, because out of one's mouth comes blessings, but out of that same mouth comes cursing. My brothers, he says, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree grow olives or a grape tree bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. James addresses how followers of Christ should behave. He mentions the danger of speaking foolishly or maliciously, and that there are serious consequences in doing so. Now, he also mentions that one's external behavior is an indicator of their heart condition, and it can be an indicator also of those who are wolves in sheep's clothing who talk a good talk, but they don't live the life because they're false believers. Therefore, in the case of James, he's telling us that salt is a symbolic of worldly, foolish, and malicious talk. And in the nature of the sources of fresh water and salt water, of course, they're not the same. And a fresh water doesn't spring uh, the same thing as a salt water. Fresh water comes from a freshwater spring, and salt comes from salt water. So our heart should be focused on the things of God. And if it is, it, it will, won't be speaking verses, vulgarity, worldly trash talk, uh, all the things that you hear in modern music and, and lingo and jargon. Now, as we live our lives in this world, how we speak, especially with others, and especially others that we don't know, it reveals much about where our heart is at in life. It, it tells them where we're at. The fact is that salt can be flavor enhancing. It really can, but it can also make life-giving water undrinkable and even toxic to the body. We can't drink gallons of salt water and hope that we're going to be refreshed. It can preserve or it can render soil dead. Well, just as salt has multiple purposes and uses in, in our lives, and as you can see, it's found in scripture to be used in multiple ways, to signify how our relationship with others should be, especially when it comes to our conversation and our speech. Now, in Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 35, Jesus said, If anyone comes to me and he does not hate his father and his mother 
and his wife and children and his brothers and his sisters, yes, even his own life. He cannot be my disciple. Those are really heavy words that Jesus spoke, but he spoke them with a purpose that he was saying, God needs to be first in our lives. And whoever does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. That means that he needs to be in our lives in all ways every day. Which of you, Jesus said, wishing to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost to see if he has the resources to complete it? Otherwise, if he lays the foundation and he's unable to finish the work, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, this man could not finish what he started to build. Now, um, I know in my life, I've driven down different roads and I seen homes that somebody began to build and I might even have the builder's name out front and the, the home just sits there for months and even years unfinished because they didn't count the cost and they couldn't finish the job. And what a misrepresentation that it might've been from those builders, but yet it speaks volumes to one who observes that. And so it goes on to say, uh, Jesus said, what king on his way to war with another king will not first sit down and consider whether he should engage with his 10,000 men, the one who's coming against him who has 20,000. And if he figures he's unable, he'll send a delegation while the other king is still far off so they don't clash into battle to ask for terms of peace. In the same way, Jesus said, any one of you who does not give up everything in this world, everything, all that he has cannot be my disciple. And then he goes on to say, salt is good. But if the salt loses its savor, with what will it be seasoned? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile, and it will be thrown out. He who has an ear, let him hear. In Matthew chapter 12, verses 34 through 37, Jesus said to the religious-minded scribes and Pharisees, the same message for religious-minded people today, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the treasure of his heart, out of his good store. The evil man brings evil things out of his evil store of treasure. But I tell you that men, all men, will give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word that they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 tells us to let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building up the other in need and bringing grace to those who listen. And in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 4, it says, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, rude joking, which are out of character, but rather there should be thanksgiving. Well, Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 3, 15 through 17, but in your hearts, sanctify Christ as Lord. 
always be prepared to give a defense to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that is in you. But respond with gentleness and respect. We don't see that enough today. We see people trying to bash people with scripture and tell them that they're sinners and going to hell and, and in your face. Well, that's not quite what we're learning that the scriptures tell us to do. It says that we should temper what we say and how we say it. That's what Peter said. Respond with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who do slander you, well, they will be put to shame by your good behavior in Christ. They'll have nothing bad to say about you. You have done nothing but bring glory and honor to the Lord. And then he goes on to say, for it is better if it is God's will that you suffer for doing good than for doing evil. So be careful how you say what you say. Remember that we are the salt of the earth. What we say can either hurt or help. The term sanctification, oh, I have did a podcast on that. It, it's best defined when uh, it describes someone how someone is being used according to the will of god so case in point jesus was uh his the will for the father was for jesus to come and surrender his life and die on the cross and so therefore in that act jesus was sanctified and so sanctification is simply whenever we're used by god to, to do something according to his will not ours therefore because we must always be prepared to share a confession of our faith and to do so with others whenever they ask, whenever we're placed in that position, it is in these times that we'll share the reason for our hope in Christ. It will just come naturally, like springs of living water flowing from us. But trust in the Spirit to bring salt to that conversation. Paul says, the, the same thing in this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for, for Christ, for the kingdom. As though God were making his appeal through us. And then he goes on to say, we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. That means to be at total peace with God. So don't quench the spirit. Don't get in the way of God. Allow God to use you, and therefore your conversation will be seasoned as salt. And finally, in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17, it says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, clothe yourself with the hearts of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another. Forgive any complaint that you might have against someone else. Forgive as the Lord forgave you unconditionally. And over all these virtues, put on love, which is the bond of perfect unity, which is what we're seeking. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. For to this, you, if you're in Christ, were called as members of of one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ, the Spirit of God, His word, flow richly and dwell within you as you teach and admonish one another 
with all wisdom. And he's talking about spiritual wisdom. And as you sing with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with gratitude in your hearts to God, and whatever you do in word or deed, it is all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. Thus, in closing, we who are in Christ, we must understand that we are the salt in this dying world. How we live our lives, what we say to others, and most importantly, how we treat others, it speaks volumes to those who are lost, those who are outside of Christ in this world. That is why each of us needs to remember to live spirit-filled, spirit-led lives that will set us apart from those many people who remain lost and in need of Jesus. And you know, the, the beautiful thing is, is that if we learn to live this way, we will walk as Jesus walked.